Looking for a guiding hand in your Amazon business? Wizards of Ecom Academy is here for you. Our personalized support system includes unlimited email access to myself and my entire team to help you overcome challenges and strategize effectively. Sign up for an exclusive rate at wizardsofecom.com slash academy. Your personal e-commerce coach awaits. Welcome to the Wizards of Ecom, your no-fluff playbook for online success. Each episode is fully packed with actionable tactics you can implement in your business right now. Take your life to a higher level and excel in your online success. It's time to work on you and your business. Let's do this. Hey, hey, Wizards, and welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom, the podcast where we dive into the world of e-commerce and Amazon selling. I'm your host, Naomi. Get ready to meet an absolute rock star in the world of e email marketing. Our guest today is none other than Tony Herbach, a true strategist, connector, and all-around e-commerce with, with a passion for helping brands boost their brand awareness and skyrocket sales. Tony, she really knows how to make things happen by developing creative strategies that get results. Without further ado, let's say a warm welcome. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for accepting. It was an absolute pleasure to get to meet you this year at Seller Summit, um, it was so nice. I, I mean, like, I'm not even sure why I did not attend your conference so far because it's in here in Fort Lauderdale. I'm yes. like, I am in Fort Lauderdale. Like, what's going on? So you guys put together an amazing conference. I loved it from the first day till the last one. So kudos on that. Thank you. Thank you. So much. Uh, listen, I was excited. I was really excited that this year we probably doubled our female attendees. So that's exciting for me because I think women are killing it in e-commerce and they're very underrepresented at events. And so it was nice to see so many women in the audience this year. That was definitely the highlight for me. 100%. So I do agree with that as well. And I noticed that there are a lot of women which like, always like complimenting, oh, you look so nice. You know, man, you cannot really compliment because they would think like something yeah, <laughs> you know, but it was oh, you look so nice, and that that was a our that was already a good starter for any conversation. I love that, you know. So, yes. <laughs> so without further ado, um, as I was saying, you are a really an email marketing expert. Can you just tell us a little bit, like, how did you delve into email marketing? What really sparked your passion for this field? Sure. So I actually got started as a blogger back in 2006. So uh, back in the dinosaur days of the internet. And I was a blogger for many years and about 10 years into blogging. And I was doing very well. I was loving it. But what I wasn't loving is all the public facing part of blogging. Like I did a lot of TV, a lot of media, and I wanted to step back a little bit from that. And I learned about e-commerce from a friend, Steve Chu, who helps me run Seller Summit. And I was like, oh, I can do this. This is easy, which so I was silly. I didn't know anything, right? Like it, you think it's easy until you try to make your first order. And uh, so I got into e-commerce. And what I realized was what I did know a lot about was like social media marketing and email, yeah. because that's what I had been doing as a blogger. I had an email list. I had been emailing my list as a content creator for a long time. And so I thought, well, it, it, it works the same. I mean, email's email. And so I really focused on that when I was building my e-commerce brand, because I knew that if I could get somebody on my email list, that they were my customer, I wasn't relying on someone to see a Facebook post or someone to come back to Amazon and buy from me. And so I got started in e-commerce, really focusing on email. And then I ended up not really focusing on social media because it was 
really too much work, right? I didn't want to be making Instagram posts every single day and things like that. And so that's sort of how I transitioned from the content creator side to e-com. And then once I started doing email, it's kind of a rush because I feel like every time you send an email, you make money. And so it was like, oh, I need some money. Let's send an email. And it kind of it was like an adrenaline junkie. And I realized if I can get better at email, get better at what I say, get better at how I send, who I send to, then the money just improves. And I think all of us, we love our jobs, but we honestly want to pay our bills and have a better lifestyle. So to me, it just seemed like the easiest way for me to build a business and a, and a brand and then I ended up really enjoying it so much that I ended up uh, moving on to, I don't have my e-commerce business anymore. I'm working on a, a new one, but I ended up taking on a few clients to do their email marketing because what I found was, while it's fun when you're building your email, obviously when you only have 2,000 people on your list or 5,000 people on your list, you can do a lot of the strategies that we'll probably talk about today. But you know, if you have a list of 100,000 or 200,000, you can do so much and email just becomes a cash cow for you. So it's kind of like Amazon of old days, right? When you put something on Amazon and it would sell like crazy and you'd make all this money and you're like, this is amazing. I won the lottery. Uh, email feels like that now to me. If you can get enough people on your list, it can definitely become a really nice driver of revenue for your business. Love it. So, and right before hitting officially recording, we were just chatting about this and the way that you structure this kind of like, you are saying that this is now easy for me and really I'm making money with each email. I think when when someone is going to listen to this podcast, when I started listening to <laughs> and understanding email marketing, this was like three years ago, four years ago, something like that. So it was like, oh, this is the thing. I should try it. I should do it. I should, you know, we were we had a few VAs. This is something that you're going to learn. This is what you're going to do and so on. And we kind of ended up training people and honestly investing at, at least $12,000 in courses in all the, uh -huh. you know, in and out. And, you know, it brings $0 right now because it takes so much time. And I was just yeah. telling you, I'm really considering bringing an expert on the team because right now it's just, you know, it's, it's time wasted. One, you're, yes. wa you're wasting budget. You're wasting from your budget. It's money. Second time, because once that you're not doing it, someone else is doing it. Someone else gets that claim. So, Based on that, like what is, what are the most common things that brands are, or challenges that brands are facing right now when you come on board? Uh, I think the most common thing that brands are facing is they don't know exactly how to talk to their customer. Mm -hmm. You know, they, here's what, if you think about this, if someone's willing to give you their email address or their phone number for SMS, it's, it's pretty yeah. similar. Yep. Uh, they're investing in you, right? They're giving you a window into their life. They're allowing you to come into their inbox. So I think a lot of times, and I've seen one of the things that I see brands do is they buy email lists, which is a terrible idea. You don't want to purchase a list. Uh, the way those lists are created, we don't need to go into that, but it's it's just not going to be your customer, right? It's probably not going to be someone who is going to make a decision to make a purchase from you. So what you want to do is, get your own customers on the list first, right? So when someone makes a purchase, if you're, especially if they're buying D2C, right? If they're buying from your storefront, you're going to have their email address. So the first thing that you want to do is make sure that the second someone makes a purchase from you and gives you their email address, that you start that communication. 
right? And it can be a lot like dating, right? You don't just like start off. Well, some people probably do, but you don't want to start off on the first date with like, let's get married, right? You want to like warm people up to you. So what's nice is when they make a purchase, people are expecting you to email them. They want that, hey, you here's your order. This is what you ordered, you know, the little receipt type email. And then the, hey, we're packing your order. Isn't this cool? Look at us, you know, we're shipping your order. Your order is on the way. We all get those emails and we expect them and we open them. So right there as a brand, it's pretty easy just to get that set up. And the nice thing is you were talking about wasting a lot of time and money and resources. But in, you know, the email service providers, those are typically called flows. Some people have different names for them. But when you set up a flow, once it's set up, it's all automated. So you're setting it up one time. And then every time someone makes a purchase, they're getting these emails automatically. So you don't have to do anything. And typically when someone buys from you, they actually have a high probability of buying a second time pretty quickly. So a lot of times people buy off of those emails that tell them their order shipped, which is crazy to me because it's like, you got to pay for shipping again. You got to, you know, it's like, but they do. So the first thing you want to do is just set up that automated flow where people are just getting notifications about what they already purchased. So you're getting them used to hearing from you. Got it. All right. So since you're talking about emails and since you're talking about the whole process, it kind of feels like on Etsy, like very personalized, like this is what's mm -hmm. happening and so on. Um, now, most of our listeners are selling on Amazon. They don't have any access to emails. They don't have any yep. access to what would be the best way to really get an email list of people that are maybe highly relevant audience to them and they are not paying for it, but they are kind mm -hmm. of like finding the right people. And this should not be like giveaways. We tried giveaways. We have 3000 email addresses. They were nothing. So <laughs> no. <laughs> the hard part about giveaways, I will say this, uh, the hard part about giveaways is that you get a lot of the giveaway gales, right? They just enter all the giveaways. I actually had a friend a long time ago who was one of these people that entered. I mean, her whole house was filled with like prizes that she had won, but she entered like 200 giveaways a day. So that's what the problem is with these giveaways is that you get a few relevant people, but for the most part, it's people that just want the prize. Uh, so if you sell on Amazon, I know, and I, I don't sell on Amazon anymore, but I know that there are things people do to get email addresses from Amazon um, with customers in the post-purchase experience. So if you're doing that, you want to make sure you do follow up really quickly with the customer. So maybe you have a warranty card and they're going to register the warranty for your product. Uh, you want to make sure that when they fill that form out or scan that QR code, whatever it is that you're getting their email address, that they once again immediately get an email from you. Uh, very warm, very friendly, maybe talking about your company, personal story. Uh, why did you start this? Why is it important to you? What are your values? Uh, make it very personal. And so that's one way you can do that if you uh, do have the ability to grab an email from your customer. If you don't, uh, rather than a giveaway, I would consider some sort of uh, tool or training for your product. So if you sell uh, a kitchen product, for example, maybe you can have a free recipe book or a free tutorial on how to cook a certain way. We just bought a uh, sous vide machine that like heats up the water and you like cook meat in it. I don't really know how to use it, but um, I would have liked like a like I would have liked someone to email me and say, "Hey, here's how you use this thing so you don't burn everything or burn yourself on the hot water." Um, so you can get relevant uh, information to people that would be much more in line with your customer base 
versus just a standard giveaway. Uh, maybe you sell gardening equipment. Uh, so you could do even like a challenge or something like that, where you teach people how to set up a, you know, back balcony garden, right? Here's five plants you can grow on your balcony. I'm going to teach you all how to do it. And it all comes through an email sequence to people. So that way, the people on the list aren't just those giveaway people that don't really care about your brand. They care about um, these people care about what you're selling. And then towards the end of that, you can promote your products. And then you can, and you can even drive them back to Amazon to purchase it, right? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be directly on your own website. So I would do it that way versus uh, a giveaway, where, which is just, it gets crazy, right? And the other problem is you get 3,000 people on your list. You have to pay for those 3,000 people on yes. your list. Yes. So it's costing you money a bunch of different ways, right? Um, if you have run a giveaway though, if you're in that position, what I like to do in that is that as soon as the giveaway is over, you email, say we have a winner, you offer a 10 to 20% off coupon for your product. And then you follow up two or three more times with a brand story and another follow-up a reminder to use the coupon. And after that, if they have not taken an action, you remove them immediately. So you go from 3000 people probably to about 300, but then those 300 people will probably be likely at some point to make a purchase decision from you. And then you really have to watch that group of people. And in your email provider, you can tag those people. It's like giveaway January, 2023. And then, you know, if in six months, you know, 50% of those 300 haven't done anything, they're off the list, right? So you're whittling it down. And maybe you do end up with 100 or 75 core people that do decide to purchase from you, but you're not paying for 3000, which is crazy. And I just unmuted exactly. <laughs> <I finished. laughs> so our cat is the star also of the show and he just came okay. here eating. So hopefully you're not hearing him eating. I hear him super loud. So apologies for that. Our listeners are they are used yeah. <laughs> So just heads up. All right. So so that was super interesting and I, I liked it. And I like that you also mentioned that those people are still on your list and you have to pay for it. This is also like we were just talking, hey, we have like a way larger like active campaign because we were using active campaign account mm -hmm. and okay just download everything we don't have a strategy download them mm -hmm. we have them in a spreadsheet and just downgrade because yes. there's no sense to pay so so much so based on what you were saying when it comes to like brands um you were talking also about personalization because personalization is really mm -hmm. the name of the game what are the best ways to go about personalization? Because personalization also can depend on the niche that you are in. So uh -huh. how yeah. would you go about that? I mean, to me, personalization is the one thing that I think brands could do better. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of people when they collect email addresses don't want to ask for a first name because it, it lowers the amount of people that sign up. So your opt-in rates go down when you ask for a first name, which I get. I don't like to give out my first name. I mean, I don't actually mind it because I feel like I'm all over the internet anyway. It's like, if you want to know about me, you can find out about me. But I know a lot of people don't feel the same way. Yeah. And But what I found is I would rather have less people that I can talk to directly using their first name than, um, you know, I'd rather have 500 people personally than a thousand people that are just emails because I know that I can get more out of those 500 people. And so I always ask for a first name. And, and when you use it, you know, active campaign or I use Clavio, you know, you, that's all stored in their data, database. And so every time I write an email to anybody, I try to use their first name always one time, usually twice. So I found if you can use it in your subject line, 
So the first thing that they see in their Gmail, right? Like, hey, Naomi, uh, look, what's, look what we have today for you. Or have you ever felt this way? If you can just put someone's first name in there, the open rate soars. It's just crazy because people don't, they for one second when they're scrolling on their phone, forget that you're a brand and they think that it's a friend, right? So immediately their brain shifts. And then if you can include it in the text of the email in that body section, um, I like to use it in questions. I don't know about you, but I always feel that way, right, Tony? You know, I use it something like that. And then people are like, yeah, yeah, they're, you, you kind of, and when, when I read emails like that, I'm like, yeah, like I'm completely falling for it, even though I do it for a living. I'm like, they're tricking me. I know it. Um, but I just think that people connect better that way. And I've seen, you know, in my, with my client, our click-through rates are 1% or less on emails, which is a huge list. So we don't have high, very high click-through rates. But when I use people's first name in the email and in the subject line, the click-through rates quadruple almost always. So it's like just that little tiny change of using someone's first name. And if you think about it, anytime you buy, I always think about like buying something in person, right? If you're going into a high-end store, now I'm not talking about shopping at Walmart or Target, but you go into a Tiffany's or um, a place like that where someone's going to greet you, right? The first thing they always do is ask your name. And then the next thing they do, if you think about the whole buying process when you're in there, because you're about to buy a $10,000 pair of earrings, the next thing they do is they call you by your first name the entire time you're there, if you think about it. If you go to buy a luxury vehicle, same thing. Um, anytime you want to buy something that's expensive, they address you personally. And they're doing that because they know it closes the sale. And so it doesn't matter if you're selling you know, garden tools or high-end handbags on the internet personalizing it for people is going to improve it because people love to feel like they're important. And so if you can do that in your copy and in your subject line, you're automatically winning that first step of grabbing the customer. Love it. And love also that uh, you were making the reference to whenever it's something is high end, they will do that. So why are you not considering that right. and taking it as strategy, right? Because you would think yeah. that's normal. Like, no, it's not normal. They know what they're doing because they have to sell. So yeah. Based on what you were saying, like, I think personalization, something that we would go just a bit later into is like uh, uh, stories, like how did you like case studies and so on. That's something that grabbed my attention. This is why I are today on the podcast, because it was amazing. Finally, someone who is really sharing not only the one screenshot, but this is how I did it. This is where we are. This is where from we started. Right. But yeah. until we get back there, one more question on personalization. I think what I liked about your emails is. So we are playing around with templates and so on and making yeah. flashy and so on. But your emails are kind, kind of like it comes from you, written from you. It's uh -huh. not coming from, you know, is that on purpose? Have you tested that? Is this yes. strategy? Okay. Yeah, 100% on purpose. I do think there is a place for those very flashy. I think I spoke about this in my talk. I love using GIFs in emails. I love using things to catch people's attention. Uh, one of the strategies that I, I recommend for everybody is go follow some very big brands, go sign up for their email list. Uh, like people that, you know, have someone on staff that they're paying a quarter of a million dollars for marketing, right? Because why should we have to pay if they're going to pay for us? Yeah. So I have a couple brands that I, you know, I don't like, for example, Target, uh, Target's paying a lot of money for their email. And so when I see Target do things, I'm like, oh, okay, let's try this. Because if they're trying it, 
So one of the things that Target did over the holidays is that, you know, Target's colors are red and white, right? It's the bullseye, it's their branding. Over the holidays, they changed all their color scheme. They went with hot pink, bright green, bright yellow. They went with these sort of neon type colors. And I thought, huh, so what has Target done with color research that I'm never going to be able to afford to do? And so I tried hot pink, green in our color, just because I'm thinking, what's the worst thing that happens? We stay the same, right? We're not going to probably, it's not going to hurt us. Uh, so that's the one thing I think people should do is just follow some bigger brands. It doesn't have to be related to your brand at all because you're just wanting to see like the trends, right? Um, so I think there's a space for those really bright, flashy image type emails. But I think a lot of times what people really want is a short text email that just gives them the information. So, you know, hey, Tony, I don't know if you know this, but we're having a back to school sale today. Everything in the store is 15% off. Done. Sign your name, right? Sign it, Naomi, and then send the email, right? It's two sentences. Those emails usually perform twice as well as our other emails. Uh, they, once again, click the rates four times higher, open rates. Open rates are about the same. They probably go up five to 10%. So it's not a huge, but we have high open rates. So that's not something that we really focus on, but those just, those crush it. And I think it's because think about your inbox right now. It's all flashy oh, back to school sale, summer sale, this sale, you know, and then you get this email that says like, hey, what's up? And you're like, oh, do I know this person? And you immediately click, right? Your first step is like, oh, wait. I mean, I I, I joke at my talk. I fooled myself. I I obviously get all the emails that I send. And I, I got an email that said, hey, Tony. And I was like, oh, what did I do wrong? Like, she's mad at me. Like, my client's mad. And I clicked and I was like, I wrote this email. What am I talking about? Um, it's affecting. So, it's affecting. Yeah, I, I was like, I tricked myself. That's amazing. Um, that's probably like, why did anyone hire you? You were so dumb. Uh, so, so anyway, I think that it gets it gets people's attention because it's different. And then once you open it and it's two lines of text, everybody has time to read two lines of text. That's a tweet. So you're more likely to read the whole thing. And then all I include is a text link. It's not even real visible, but people will click on it. Because it's like, they, they're so intrigued in what I found is, and I will say my client's list is probably not the most tech savvy group of people out there, but a lot of them reply to that email with like, oh, you know what? Danny's got soccer practice today, but I'm going to try to shop the sale later. As if they truly believe that my client personally sent out 280,000 emails, right? They don't know. That's the they thing. Don't, and they don't know how many people are on the list. It could be five people. Who knows, Right. It can be uh, only them. Right. Exactly. Okay. It's very effective. And it's it's actually, I enjoy reading the responses because most people do respond with something very personally, like, well, I'm making this for dinner, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I think any brand can do this, right? It doesn't matter what you sell. It doesn't matter uh, what your vertical is. Uh, it just, it's something different. It gets people's attention. It's got the personalization factor. It's got the shortness. People have low attention spans right now, right? It's like all those things piled into one. The one caveat with this is you can't make every email like this or it feels weird, right? Because then it's like, she's not emailing me every day, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that. So you kind of have to use, I try to use it for like my like Super Bowl type moments. So usually no more than once a month where it's like, okay, I really need to close this sale out big. Or I really, we do a lot of like challenges where people sign up to go through like a boot camp type stuff with us. So um, I use it like on the last day of the challenge, if I want to boost signups, things like that. Uh, so I don't just use this once a week. It's usually once a month. And obviously like not, doesn't go to everybody all the time, but 
it's probably the most effective thing that I've done in the past year for email. I think again, my little brain, but of problem solving. All right. And they reply and you're not replying back. So what's happening now? Who's going to reply? What like <laughs> all the strategy, well, like what's going here's on? Here's the thing though. All those VAs that you were paying to write big, long emails that don't work, have them reply. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Love or it. Create, or create some, I have like canned, when I was, when I was blogging like full time, I used to get uh, emails, you know, 20, 30 a day, like personal emails. Um, and I just had probably 15 canned responses in Gmail. Mm -hmm. the, and, and if you use like a tool like Gorgeous, like a customer service tool, you can create those macros in Gorgeous and just respond. Because most people respond with like the same six questions all the time. How much is shipping? What's the threshold for something? Uh, what's your return policy? Like people have the same stuff. So it's like you create those canned responses and then if you can do it while you're sitting in line at Purple or at the grocery store or, you know, a VA can do that any from anywhere in the world. Yeah, definitely. So you're just like, each time when you're seeing something new, it's like, oh, that's a new question. That's a new question. So just to keep, to keep things calm. Um, as I was saying during your presentation, I loved it. Would you mind sharing just a bit about the, it was a case study. And I, I like the way how you went from before and after, and you did it so seamlessly. And it's like, I want to have this person on the show. So <laughs> yeah, so I could talk about what, what I did with the client. Is that what you want to talk about? Yes. Yeah. So I will say when I, when I came on with this client, she had a, a nice size email list. She had about a hundred thousand people on the list. So there, there's a big advantage there. I, I don't like it on podcasts when people are like, Oh, it's just amazing. And it's like, well, you started out with something pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and she had a very engaged list. Her list was making her almost a million dollars a year. So I, I think that's good personally. Um, and so I would, when I came in the challenge was how do we grow this? How do we make it better? How do we get, you know, more people on the list and how do we get those people to do more things? And the biggest thing, the biggest impact I think that I found was that I honestly believe people do not email their list enough. Even if you only have a hundred people on your list or 500 people, that's amazing. You can make money from 500 people easily. Um, and so the first thing I like to do is increase the sends. So I think I talked about this in the presentation, but the first year, I think we went from like a hundred sends in a year of campaigns. So like one-off emails that you're sending to now we're sending about 450 campaigns a year. So we quadrupled our campaign sends. And I think that's really important because and, and when I when you increase this, you want to watch things like your open rate, your bounce rate, people marking you as spam. And as long as those numbers are not shifting in, in the negative, right, as long as your uh, spam rate's not increasing or your bounce rate's not increasing, then try sending another one. Try sending another one until you reach that point where the open rate drops off or the click-through rate drops off. And then you're like, okay then we're going to back it off and we're going to, you know, send less and, and find that point. And for every brand, that's very different. My client sells curriculum. People like a lot of information. We're able to really push the sends, but for a brand that um, I was just talking to somebody yesterday who sells eyeglasses. Well, you don't buy eyeglasses once a month. You probably buy them once a year. So they're not going to be able to push the send to like probably 450 a year. But they can push it from, you know, they were sending, I think, one email a month. You could definitely send four, right? So you can pull it, pull that number, you know, as far as you can for your brand. The next thing um, that we did, and I think the most important thing, was to set up all those automations. Mm -hmm. 
and to set up. And, you know, most people have the abandoned cart flow, right? Where someone goes to your site, they put something in the cart, they don't buy it. And then you remind them to buy it. But a lot of people don't do other flows that once again, this is something that doesn't cost you a lot of money because once you set them up, you don't have to really, I mean, you maintain them as far as like making sure they're still working, but you don't have to pay a VA to continually go in and write new content or write new emails. So uh, the browser abandonment flow, right? So if someone is logged into your website, you can actually email them and remind them that, hey, you were looking at this. It doesn't have to be in their cart. Uh, that's a very effective flow not everybody has set up. Uh, if you have, a, most people don't have a welcome flow. I see a lot of sites that just have a, you know, sign up for 10% off your purchase or something like that. And then you get that first 10% email, but then they don't really email you anything of value after that. And you want to really educate people on your brand, talk about all your value props, why you're better, your personal story, why did you start the brand, things like that in a series of emails. So once again, and every time you email somebody, it's a chance for them to click over and go back to your website. Um, a happy birthday flow, right? If you can get someone's birthday, you can email them on their birthday. A rewards flow. A lot of companies have those rewards programs that they earn points to redeem. Um, I like to email people and remind them that they have points in their account. And these are all automated, right? It's all done through your email service provider. And I think uh, what people don't do is they set up the, the, the most important one, right? Like abandoned cart or post-purchase, but then they make it like two or three emails. And then all they do is send you sale emails after that, yeah. as opposed to giving you like really great content and educational content. So I think we have, we have a lot of flows, so it's not the best example, but I think every brand could have at least six to 10 flows that are set up and automated that they don't have to do anything with that are communicating with the customer. And it's nice because if you're not familiar with like email, because you mostly sell on Amazon, um, those flows won't like cannibalize each other because like if someone gets an email and the flow won't send something else. So you don't have to worry about someone getting like three emails from you in one morning or something like that. Mm -hmm, 100%. Yeah, I like that. And honestly, that's also one more like big bonus to have you here. Like it's just an absolute pleasure. The fact that you're also show, showing and sharing the type of flows that most people are not even thinking about like email, like birthday or something emails, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the time it's like, I personally don't like emails because it's sales, 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 mm -hmm. sales, sales. First email I got, I'm reading through. Second email, I'm opting out already, right? Yeah. And I think that People are just really like, stop showing me ads, stop showing me sales shop, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is why I really like the the approach that, hey, I'm a person. First off, I'm going to personalize. Second, I'm going to show that hey, I'm a real person, you know, like reaching out and so on. So I think that's, that's, that's what really email marketing is. Because if you think that email marketing is only selling, 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 you're going to end up paying at least $12,000 and yeah. <laughs> a lot of employees and so on, because why not learn for my mistakes? Because I'm also learning, right? Yeah. So I, I love that as well. Um, something that I see. So in our industry, we, we specialize in Amazon advertising and mm -hmm. Amazon advertising is always changing. Mm -hmm. If you're not up to date on the latest yes. and so on. So I don't do it. <laughs> there you go. So I, I mean, exactly. So, what is the difference? Is there any difference? What is the approach when it comes to email marketing? How fast do you have to learn? How fast do you have to adapt? Since you were talking about flows, is there yeah. any difference? It's beautiful because you don't have to adapt. That's what I love about it. Uh, and that's, 
that's kind of why when I started my e-commerce business, I, I ended up not doing a lot of social media because I feel like social media is very similar to advertising, right? Like Facebook yeah. advertising, Amazon advertising, yeah. you know, one week you've got to make a reel and then the next week you've got to be on TikTok and the next week it's just show images and the next week it's a carousel. And it's like, I don't remember, like, I don't have time to figure all this out. And with email, I just was talking to this guy yesterday. I said, I set up a lot of these flows 18 months ago. And literally all I do at the end of every month, I have tasks for myself. I go and I check, are they running? Are they still converting at the same level that they were last month? Or are they improving? Um, maybe I heard a podcast and I got a little tip, right? Or I got an email and I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So sometimes I'll go and improve them. But for the most part, I don't make any changes. And to me, that's what's so nice about it is that obviously you do have to send those sale and promotional emails throughout the year. Those are important. But a whole, probably, I would say at least a third, if not close to a half of your revenue can come from those flows that you really don't, aside from the initial setup, which is at work, uh, you don't have to do a lot for those. And that's to me what is so appealing about it is because I don't want to have to continue to, you know, oh, now we're going to bid on negative this and that. And it's like, no, I don't want to have to keep up and have to listen to 15 podcasts a week so that I know how to make money. Um it's it, emails like selling works, right? The people that sold those vacuum cleaners door to door in the fifties, right. Are using the exact same tactics that people use today to sell you a car or to sell you a piece of jewelry or a handbag that hasn't changed. It's sales or sales. It's like the whole, you know, pricing where you put the three options, right. And people always pick the middle option and it's the most appealing. They've been doing that for 70 years. Hasn't changed at all. Um, while the technology with email has changed and the ability to do more things, like it's really cool, right? Like we can email people that were on the website, right? That didn't even put anything in their cart. So that's changed, right? So there's things like that, but the core principles of it really haven't changed at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Kind of, it sounds to me like passive income in quotes, you know, because it's really like you have to set it up and check on it regularly, see if it's still working. It's not like oh, how to combat with my competitor on this because yes. I, I, I love this yeah. side. I, I am more <laughs> interested even more in this. Yeah, that's kind of why I moved over to the side because it just felt, um, for me, it felt like something like I can manage this and not be stressed out, you know? And obviously there are, there are changes that happen, you know, a couple years ago with the iOS changes that affected a lot of people in the ad world. It did affect email, like, what you can see in open rates, right? Like your open rates are not accurate anymore, mm. but there's ways around that things that you can set up to get a better idea. But at the end of the day, if your emails are still making money and you're not getting flagged for spam, the open rates are important, but not something that like Facebook or people, I mean, I know people who almost lost their company yeah. because of Facebook iOS updates, right? Where people couldn't, their ads weren't profitable anymore and they were losing money every month. And so that's the nice thing about it is that it is a little, to me, it's steadier. You don't have, you don't have to deal with the volatility. And if anything, the technology just gets better to where, you know, you can segment people like crazy. You can like, we both wear glasses, right? So we could, if we sold eyeglasses, we could segment people on like the colors they bought, right. Or um, the style, right. And so we could just like, you could only get glasses in an email that are like the glasses you already have. Yeah. Right. I'm not ever going to send you like a bright pair of purple cat frames. Right. Because you probably aren't ever going to want those. Um, so that's the cool part is the technology's gotten better, but it hasn't affected the core of what you do. Yeah. 100%. So based on that, because like 
what I love to see always is measurement. So once that you're measuring success, how would you measure your success? Is revenue the only success that you're measuring? Any KPIs that someone should look into and say, okay, I'm just looking through this and this is really not working or this is really working well, how do I dial it down? So I think, yeah, there's a couple of things. So obviously revenue, I feel like in e-commerce revenue is the bottom line, right? Like if you're not making money, you gotta do something different. Uh, with profit, now, actually profit, <laughs> profit, yeah, profit, yeah, yeah, profit yeah, it's really sure, profit. Yeah. Revenue is really like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, revenue, don't, don't, don't <laughs> sorry, sorry, I misleaded you. I, I just yeah. like, put you yeah. put words. Yes, profit, <laughs> bottom line. Yes. Um, but I, I, as, as a person who works for some, uh, I have a client like the profits on her. I'll drive your revenue. You deal with your profit. You figure that out on the other side. But yes, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that well, that's the thing real quick about that is speaking of profit and revenue is email is a fixed cost, right? So you pay, as you know, you had the 3000 subscribers that you dumped, but you were paying a fixed amount a month for those 3000 subscribers, probably a couple hundred dollars yep. um, to active campaign. But that's the nice thing is it's not like, you know, this month you pay $300 and next month for your same 3000 subscribers, you're going to pay $3,000 because ad costs went up. Right. So that is the nice thing is that you can sort of budget that out for your profitability. But so I think revenue profit is definitely the bottom line, but there's other things to think about. So let's just say we're sending emails and people are opening them and people are clicking over to the website, right? So you're getting people over to the website, but they're not converting. Well, then is you have one of two problems, probably either one, your sales page is bad, right? Your product listing isn't great. You need to improve that. Or maybe your email and your product listing page aren't aligning, right? So people are clicking over and thinking they're going to get one thing and they get to the, and I never, never advocate bait and switch. Like, I think you need to be honest about what you're doing uh, and leading people over there. Cause you don't want to waste that either. Right. Um, but I think you need to evaluate the website, right? Or if you're driving people to an Amazon listing, because I know a lot of people who use their email list to drive people to Amazon to launch a product. Well, if you're getting like a 7% click-through rate, but nobody's purchasing, it's like, okay, well, are my photos bad? Is my listing description not great? Um, did I say something in my email that doesn't match up? Like maybe they're thinking the product does one thing, but it actually does something else. Um, so it's hard to say, like, I mean, I think click-through rates are important, but a lot of times the problem doesn't lie in the email. It lies once people get onto the website or on Amazon. Uh, so I think if no one's clicking on your email, right, if people are like opening it, but not clicking through, then there's probably something in your copy that's not great. Or, and this is another problem that people make, is that I think um, for my client, and I know from my own personal sites, my mobile usage for email is like at 70%, right? So 70% of the people, their first engagement with my email is on a phone. So people will put a link that's like, I don't know, 10 point font or 12 point font. Um, when you try to click on that on a phone, it's difficult because you're, you know, I don't know about you, but like when I try to click on things on my phone and something else comes up or an ad pops up or, you know, there's all sorts of things that can happen. Um, so I think you need to think about the fact that people aren't clicking through, maybe your emails are not optimized for mobile. Maybe it's not obvious where people click. I always think unless you're doing those text only emails, giant buttons, most people have chubby little fingers. They got to push that button, um, make it easy, include a lot, include a lot of links to the same thing in the email 
So, you know, give them like four chances, make the image clickable, make the big button clickable, add a text link, um, make it so that the dumbest person in the world can figure out how to get over to your website. So if your click-through rate's bad, uh, you want to make sure that, you know, give your mother your phone and be like, hey, can you figure out how to get over, you know, how to take an action? And if they can't figure it out, you're like, okay, you got to make improvements. Um, so I think click-through rate's important, but it's all things that can be fixed. So the bottom line, you know, the revenue that the emails are driving um, is probably the main KPI that you want to look at, but there's all sorts of other things. Um, and the other beautiful thing about email is you can A-B test everything, right? So you can have two different subject lines. You can have two different images. You can try a green button versus a red button. Now, the key with that is only try one thing. Don't do, you know, two emails where everything's different because then you won't know which one worked, but like start with like, hey, let me try change up my subject lines. Let me try using emojis on my subject line and then not using emojis. Let me try a green button versus an orange button. You know, try all those things. And once you kind of figure out the formula for your brand and, you know, what your customers will resonate with, then you sort of stick in that vertical, right? Like you're not, I don't like, I know what subject lines work for this client, right? I know exactly what works. I know what, what people do not like. And so I kind of stay in that, stay in my lane. Uh, but I always like to test things because you never know, right? You never know what new, like trends. One of the trends that I saw, I think this was Sephora that did this. They sent me an email and they basically said it was one, it was a one question survey, right? So use email to find out more about your customers. But I always, I see the survey that's like 72 questions. It's like, there's a progress bar and I'm like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. I want to know everything yeah. in the same time. And yeah. I do demand 20 minutes yeah. of your time for nothing. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> so Sephora had one question survey. I don't even remember what the question was. And they literally gave me a thumbs up or a thumbs down emoji to click on. I'm like, anybody can do this, right? This is like a no brainer. So of course you don't even think about it. You answer the question and click. So I immediately went and put that email in our post-purchase sequence because I wanted to know one thing about the customer and it's not, hasn't been in there long enough to really um, get good data yet. But like, I'm like, that's brilliant. Like people will click on this without thinking. But if you say like, take five minutes and fill out a survey, you automatically know it's going to be 10 minutes. And then you get like four questions and you're like, I don't have time for this. And you don't finish the survey. So, you know, in that way, there are things that you can do and test. But yeah, for the most part, I don't know. I, it, to me, it just feels like this is kind of easy to do. Hmm. I know you're like, no, it's not. But 100%. You know what? Like my little brain just started to make the connections. You Did you notice like when you were selling on Amazon, Amazon always has that the thumbs up yep. and thumbs down. And until now, it was like so annoying. But like, as you were saying, that's genius, like free feedback. And it's easy. Yep. And it's like, yep. love it. Love it. And it's, it's very low, low effort, right? It's yeah. Like most people don't like to make a lot of effort on things so the lower effort for them um and i think that's true with all selling right like the less barriers you put up for your people to make a purchase the better um like i would never send an email for a sale that didn't lead them directly to the product page right like i'm not going to send them to a bunch of copy or it's like nope i've already told you what you need to know go buy right now um just like i don't want to put a lot of links in emails that go to different pages or different products like it's to me, I'd rather focus on one thing, one product. Um, if you don't like it, move on, go to the next product, right? Like, but I don't want to give you like six options and have you pick none of them. Um, it's like kind of at the grocery store. If you think about it, you're like on the chip aisle and there's like 42 brands of potato chips. 
And I'm like, I forget it all just by Cheetos, right? It's like too many options. Um, so I like giving people very few options. And I think all those things tie into like improving the sales. Uh, but that's really a sales thing more than, I mean, obviously it works in email, but that's kind of a, you could use that in all of your sales and marketing. 100%. I'm curious, since you were saying A-B testing, and again, my mind goes to Amazon. What, what we would use usually is Pickful, but I'm curious for you, for A-B testing, are you using like emails to see I send this way and this way and segmenting because that that's actually free. Right? Yes, it's free. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, most email service providers um, allow you to, what they do is they take 20%, they take a st- statistical significant number, right? right? So depending on the size of your list. So they could take 5, 10, 20% and they'll send the two different emails to um, that group of people. And then you tell the email service provider after six hours, I want you to pick a winner based on click-through rate, revenue, open rate. I never do open rate because it's a little skewed. I almost always do click-through or revenue. Um, almost always revenue because it's like, I want to make sure that what I'm telling people convinces them to buy, right? Like clicking through and not buying. I mean, then you can obviously target people, but I, I want the sale. 100%. So without further ado, this was an amazing episode. And to wrap up our conversation, I do have three uh, thought-provoking, I would put them, questions for you. The first one goes like this. Can you share a game-changing investment you made early on in your email marketing journey that costs $50 or less? I can give you one that's free. (laughs) (laughs) I, I would say the best investment I made was signing up for email lists for other brands. Okay. Um, and, and tracking other people very like making that a priority, making an inbox specifically for that. I feel like you can learn so much from um, just watching what people with huge budgets do. Uh, why spend money? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, out of all of the blue books that you read, I also see that there's a bookshelf behind you, which yes. are your absolute three favorites. And why do you love them? Uh, my favorite book is The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You by Lydia Finette. It is uh, it's my favorite because it basically is about the best, uh, the most success you will have is when you figure out who you are and you present the best version of that. And I think so many times we try to be what we think other people expect us to be or want, and we lose our power in that. So when we're who we are and just be like, hey, this is who I am, um, I think that's a very powerful message. And it is really confidence boosting, especially especially as a female in a very male dominated space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we often make excuses or play down our expertise, and we're amazing, and we need to own that amazingness and be okay with that, even if it makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, my second favorite book is Untamed by Glennon Doyle, uh, kind of on a similar uh, similar vein of just really like kind of removing societal expectations and just focusing on being the best version of yourself i'll give you those are my two those are my two favorite all right so there's no three okay good (laughs) well okay so atomic habits is probably one of my other favorite books uh Mm -hmm. just because it helps you get stuff done and i think all of us are deep down like procrastinators and so that's a really good book on like learning how to create habits to be really productive see my persistence and my blonde hair and my voice Soothing voice is going to manipulate people into giving me more. (laughs) Love it. Tony, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Before I let you go, how can people get a hold of you, your services? You're amazing. The podcast was amazing. Information, it's 100% there. Um, Best way to get in touch with you? 
Best way to get in touch with me is email me at Tony, T-O-N-I, at sellersummit.com. All right. Brilliant. Love it. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. You've been amazing. Did not disappoint it. No, need, not even expected you to disappoint, but like this was amazing. So thank you. <laughs> and to our thank amazing you. listeners, thank you so, so much for chiming in. Uh, be sure to chime in next Wednesday because I'll be back. Till then, take care. Be good. Be amazing. And yes, keep being amazing. Tony, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. It was fun sharing this episode with you. If you found value in what you've heard, please show your love with a subscribe rate and review of the show. Until next time.